G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. The South Australian State Director of Family Voice Australia is David DeLima. David, a special welcome along to 2020. Thank you so much, Neil. It's great to be on air again. And David, we're talking to you today from Port Augusta. You're uh, addressing a school there, is that the case? Yes, I'm uh, up at the uh, Seaview Christian College here in Port Augusta. Um, just to help out a bit and uh, to connect with the Uniting Church uh, later on today to encourage. And when I said to the principal that I'd be broadcasting on Vision Radio, his eyes lit up and he said that he listens on his phone app to the station and he's going to be tuning in. So uh, a big shout out to uh, Mr Yanni Basson, principal of the uh, Seaview College here in Port Augusta. And undoubtedly, there'll be some other families, perhaps parents, uh, the Seaview College in Port Augusta, and a special hello to you today. Uh, David, let's come to one of these really uh, challenging topics. Uh, I note that a front-page story earlier this month in South Australia informed readers that outlaw motorcycle gangs have their sights on South Australia, anticipating a removal of the current laws against prostitution trade. Now, the South Australian uh, State Parliament uh, passed some laws through its upper house last month to decriminalise the prostitution industry. So I guess uh, that bill now heads to the House of Assembly, the lower house in South Australia. Uh, What's the place at this present time of that legislation? Yes, Neil, you've uh, you've really hit the nail on the head when you highlighted that front page story. It was in our uh, Sunday Mail, our Sunday newspaper on the front page uh, pointing out that the the bikies are um, very keen on moving in and setting up some bottles here in South Australia. Now, this is one of the unintended consequences of legislation. There are always unintended consequences, unfortunately, and some of them aren't very good ones. Um, that, that matter itself ought to really give pause, but unfortunately, the parliament just seems to be determined to pass this, it sailed through the upper house of the parliament uh, with no difficulty. It was soundly passed, uh, whereas 30 years ago it would have been uh, soundly defeated. So we're losing traction on that matter. It now goes to the lower house, as you've indicated. Um, there'll be a winter recess. Uh, the matter won't, won't be sort of top priority for government to consider, but it will be coming up. And we would guess, our best guess would be that it would come to a final vote maybe in September. Okay, so it's not long away, and we'll talk about how listeners might be able to uh, take some level of action, perhaps contacting MPs. Let me just talk about prostitution with you for a few moments here, David. I mean, some people will say the prostitution trade should be legalised so that uh, all of those health issues, occupational health and safety and all sorts of provisions uh, could be there granted to women in prostitution, almost as though it's a, it's a good thing for their safety. Is this a viable approach? Well, um, this is the, the theoretical um, suggestion, which doesn't make uh, any sense when you look at it carefully, because we're dealing with people running the prostitution trade currently who are lawbreakers. 
and the bikies have been mentioned. I don't want to tar every bikie with the same brush, but it is clear that the outlaw motorcycle elements are strongly connected to prostitution and to a number of other uh, illegal activities. These people are not going to become law-abiding citizens simply because the trade that they're involved in becomes legal. Uh, in fact, it's the case that the illegal trade proliferates where prostitution has been decriminalised. So, in fact, there'll be more trouble, less occupational health and safety, uh, less uh, safety and security for people who are in that industry. The only way that you can keep uh, a lid on something that's inherently unsavoury, inherently connected with, with um, outlaw behaviour is to keep it illegal. So this idea that somehow the prostitutes are going to be looked after uh, is just a complete myth. And of course, when we talk about making laws, laws are educative too to generations of the future. And so uh, where things are legislated, it's like they're normalised and all of these challenges face future generations. A lot of people will say, David, well, shouldn't women just have the right to do what they like? Uh, and given that uh, the majority, I imagine, in prostitution are women, but uh, what do you th- what do you say to people who say, well, people should just, you know, this is the 21st century, you know, David, why can't people just do what they like? Well, the, the truth is that so many women who are in prostitution are trapped there. They have been coerced into that context. Some of them have uh, drug habits that they've got to support. Uh, There are heaps of Asian women who are brought in uh, illegally from overseas and um, their passports are confiscated. They're moved around from one city to another so that they cannot possibly establish any connection. They're basically locked up. Um, The the intimidation and the standover tactics that are linked to prostitution, just bigger belief. And um, it is so wrong to think that somehow this is a feminist choice or a women's rights issue it ought to be the feminists and the people arguing for women's rights who should be uh, loudly defending uh, the status quo and making sure that we have laws to prevent more women being entrapped in prostitution. Uh, Amazing, isn't it, that the perceptions that are promoted are oftentimes that it's uh, just a fun industry and that nobody gets hurt and uh, somebody makes a dollar on the side and uh, even this idea that, you know, some men uh, will need prostitution as a release, Uh, perhaps they have some disability or uh, or it might uh, slow down the idea of uh, rape uh, in the community. Uh, What do you think of those sorts of uh, objections that people have in the in their argument for uh, decriminalising prostitution? Yes, well, we have uh, come to a much greater understanding of, uh, of how better to integrate people with mental or physical challenges into the community. And uh, really, it really puts people who are in that situation in a box to somehow suggest that, that they're in a different category and that they need uh, some kind of a paid sexual service uh, in order to meet their needs. Well, you know, we've introduced the program today by rejoicing in the concept of family. Uh, we need to, to restore everyone into families and uh, we need to encourage people towards um, being able to find partnerships, long-term uh, married partnerships, I mean, uh, so that God's gift of sexuality can be enjoyed as he intended. Uh, and you've mentioned rape as well. Uh, somehow the, the rape rate will go down if we can have more prostitution. 
but in fact, prostitutes are, are raped um, frequently. Um, and indeed, the very, the very concept of, of prostitution itself is really a form of rape. It's a form of, of sexual violence. The prostitution is inherently violent. Um, the reason that money is involved is because, it's because the woman, and it's usually women who are prostituting themselves, it's because they don't want to do it. Uh, it's, it's, it's not something that they're enjoying or having a good time doing. Uh, they'd do it for free if it was so, so, so much fun, but it's not. It, it's inherently damaging and inherently violent and must be heavily compensated. So um, rape occurs in prostitution. Many prostitutes have been raped, but I would say that the very act of prostitution itself really is a form of rape. And uh, I just cannot understand that after so many reforms that have occurred, and, you know, if you get your your uh, car in for a, for a service, uh, Years ago, there'd be pornography on display. Uh, now that's all gone out. Uh, you know, we've made so many wonderful reforms here in South Australia. We've had what were called the Grid Girls, uh, you know, good-looking young women who would be there uh, promoting the, um, the car race. Uh, that's now illegal. Uh, you know, so on the one hand, we've really reformed our understanding of sexuality, you know, the goodness, the preciousness, the sacredness of sexuality. But the very same parliament is now just determined, it seems, to legalise prostitution. So we're being very double-minded, unfortunately, here in our parliament in South Australia. I know there have been an inquiry or two in the lead-up to this, and uh, I recall talking about this even uh, over previous years, uh, where there was a push on there for... Uh, for legislators in South Australia to give some deep consideration to the idea of a Nordic model uh, of being able to manage uh, prostitution. And, uh, of course, the Nordic model puts the pressure on the person who's buying sex rather than the person who's selling sex. Uh, yes. that, that sort of thing obviously didn't catch on because it's made its way all, th- all the way through the upper house and really uh, a rubber stamp from the lower house, and it'll all be law that the decriminalisation process is happening. So uh, that clearly didn't capture everybody's imagination, David. That's right. Now, we really encourage uh, consideration of this uh, Nordic model. It's called the Nordic model because it was really developed uh, in Sweden. And the idea there is not to punish the prostitutes, but to punish the customers. In other words, if you dry up the market, then the whole thing will collapse, and that's been the case. Um Regrettably, there is no appetite whatsoever in our South Australian Parliament to move in that direction. It's most disappointing. But sometimes, you know, Neil, things have to get worse before they get better. And Sweden, of course, uh, just, and many parts of Europe just went completely out of control when it came to sexual ethics and also the use of drugs. It's remarkable that uh, Sweden and other Nordic nations are now leading the way in terms of uh, drug reform. So, uh, you know, very strict policies there because they've seen how bad it was. So it may regrettably have to be the case if we go down this path, and and I pray that it doesn't happen, but if we go further down this path of degradation, we might have to get worse before we wise up and realise that we need to go completely the other way. David, another dimension which doesn't often get a lot of airtime is this idea that when you're talking about prostitution or people, uh, you know, fulfilling their sexual expectations, uh, prepared to pay money for it, uh, 
the advent of the new gig economy, I mean, what happens when people are on their Tinder app? And uh, I think there's a number of different apps where people can find uh, sexual companionship uh, through various uh, online opportunities. And that in itself, I know uh, people in the prostitution industry have said, hey, this is crippling our industry. I mean, there are big <coughs> big changes that are afoot, aren't there, with the way that people actually are buying sex. Uh, and, and one of those, of course, uh, Tinder, you know, finding a companion online. What are your thoughts mm. for the way things are changing and developing like that? Well, on the one hand, I can well appreciate the value of certain apps um, available online for people who are wanting to connect with other people. Um, but the trouble is we've got so much screen time happening now that we've got an entire generation of people who don't know how to relate. Um, they, you know, they're good at emails, they're good at texts, but they, they cannot turn up. <laughs> they cannot meet with people. They cannot socialise. How are they ever going to form families? Um, you know, we. My, my son is involved in uh, in a uh, in a sort of networking organisation here in South Australia. He's got about three thousand people on the books, and they they come to the events. And he's basically got to take someone by the hand and say, "Now, Fred, this is come and meet Mary over here." And that they just have no social skills whatsoever. I mean, I'm delighted that he's able to help them. But we, we really need to wake up and, and, you know, shut off some of these devices. And we need really to have um, people leading us in our families, our churches, and our communities, our schools as well, in training how to speak, how to relate, how to make friendships. You know, so um, I can appreciate to some extent the value of these apps, but really we need to restore family relationships and the ability to connect one with another. Well, this is, I think, uh, touching on the challenge because I wanted to get your thoughts on a Christian response to changing laws by way of prostitution and even introducing into uh, this conversation this idea of Tinder uh, because uh, coming down to uh, the crux of that, uh, I remember the uh, criticism that was coming from people in the prostitution industry who were lamenting the fact that there were these apps operating like Tinder uh, with the idea that people were finding companionship away from the traditional uh, exchange of money for sex uh, in the prostitution industry. And uh, the people in the prostitution industry were concerned that the quality of their clientele was dropping uh, because people were able to find companionship other places. So there are mm. changes that are afoot in all of that. But as you identify, the church has a role to play here because... There is a certain social networking that happens in church and the idea of quality and wholesome relationships, are. Uh, this is a responsibility that rests on our shoulders, especially for those people who are members of churches. What are your thoughts on the, this Christian idea of how we need to respond if there are changing times ahead? Yeah, the, the church really needs to do some very serious soul-searching because we are in sort of purely uh, brutal economic terms, we are losing market share. And we need to readdress that situation. We need to look at what we're doing, what's working and what isn't working. And without in any way watering down the gospel of our Lord Jesus, we've got to think about ways of connecting to the community. Uh, the scripture says that we should make uh, the message of God attractive. That doesn't mean to say to water it down, but to give it its full glory 
uh, you know, taste and see that the Lord is good is a wonderful scripture. If we can better help people in the community to understand the goodness of our faith in the Lord Jesus and all that flows from his lordship, then we've really got something to offer to the world. So we need to really examine conscience on that. We've lost custody of marriage uh, because most marriages now are not conducted in Christian contexts. Uh, and that really should be very sobering. We've lost custody of marriage. The gospel message itself is an invitation to a marriage. That's how serious this matter is. So we really need to be uh, examining our hearts very carefully in church and think about ways. I'm looking forward this afternoon at the Uniting Church here in Port Augusta to be discussing some, some fresh ways of, of connecting with the community. Uh, people out there are desperate for for a demonstration of the gospel in action. Now, there's plenty of data about the gospel. The Gideons have placed their Bibles everywhere, and you can go online. Anyone can Google Christian message. You know, there's plenty of information, but Australia is yet to see the gospel being lived out and yet to see its practical value for sexuality, uh, its practical value for relationships. So the ball is absolutely in our court as God's people to be applying the gospel and sharing the gospel in all its glory so that people can see that, get a taste for it, see how good it is and respond. So, um, yeah, I, I really hope that uh, Christian pastors listening to the program today will take this on board so that we can really uh, serve the Lord, leading his people and providing that wonderful influence of salt and light in the world. David, honour to you and to the broader team uh, in various states. And, of course, uh, Charles Newington, who's our usual guest on a Thursday, but honour to you and all the team at Family Voice Australia uh, for rolling up your sleeves and not being afraid to get involved with some of the more, what you some might describe as the more grubby issues, uh, because you are being salt and light. And uh, you're representing every single listener to this program today by getting involved. And, as you say, the motivation is... As as a Christian believer, it is love, and people need to see a practical demonstration, the action of the gospel. And this is where uh, our ethics are shaped uh, from a scriptural foundation and therefore uh, need to be enacted. And so uh, honour to you and the team for rolling up your sleeves, for getting involved in the issues that some people will say within the Christian community we ought not to uh, worry about. Well, that's something that's happening over there. We won't worry about that. Well, you're getting in there and... Uh, and you're serving God in a, an amazing capacity. Let me point well, people... Sorry, you, last word from you, yes, Dave? Yes, thank you so much for that, Neil. We, we absolutely need to do this because part of our calling as Christians is to protect the vulnerable. We're called biblically to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Now, Neil, children will be allowed on the premises when prostitution is occurring if this bill gets up. I say again, children will be allowed to be on the premises when prostitution is occurring. Uh, the, the provisions in this bill are just, uh, they just make me angry as I consider them. I cannot believe our parliament is serious about this, and we absolutely must stand up to protect the vulnerable. Uh, it sounds like it is a time to get a little angry here, and for South Australian listeners especially, given we're talking about South Australian legislation, uh, time to be in touch with local MPs and uh, to make your voice heard. Uh, is there a way through the uh, familyvoice.org.au website, David, that people can access uh, some ways that they can respond? We do have some information on the website. 
but if any of the listeners would like to get particular detail from me personally, I'd be only too glad to do that. So they can just email us uh, through the website. Just go to the website, send an email and say that you'd like uh, me, David, as the South Australian uh, State Director, to provide some information. Uh, I can then begin to dialogue with any of your listeners that want some particular help about this bill. Um, it, it just, you know, our, our daughter's coming up for her 21st birthday just tomorrow. She's a good-looking young lady. I do not want her to be lawfully able to be approached in the street by some pimp to say, you're a good-looking young woman, would you like to come and earn some fast money? Now, the, the implications of this bill are just staggering, Neil, and we absolutely need to stand up and speak up on behalf of the vulnerable. And I know that you've written an article that people will be able to access, uh, taking a little bit of a deeper approach to some of the things we're talking about today. David DeLima is the South Australian State Director of Family Voice Australia, familyvoice.org.au. David, thanks so much for taking some time to share these thoughts with us today on 2020. Well, thank you so much, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.